to the Jerks in the Fourth Row podcast. Today, we are going to be covering top f- our top five favorite movie villains. Uh, as always, coming to you live actually from Moultonboro, Lake Winnipesaukee. Dog, welcome. hey Vacation dog here. I'm uh, vacationing from quarantine, I guess you could say. <laughs> it's a vacation. Realistically, just taking advantage of the time off and... Uh, Trying to make it a little bit of a silver lining situation, but anyways, never hurts when you're at the lake. Yeah, man. If you can't you can't see him, but he's got his shirt off. He's fresh from a dip in the lake, and I'm very jealous. I'm sitting here in my stuffy apartment, still quarantined in Kittery, but um, but yeah. But today we're going to be talking about villains, and you know, just I think we've mentioned these in in past podcasts, or not all of them, but. You know, the fact that, that these roles take on kind of a life of their self, and then even though they're the bad guy in the movie, sometimes you just come to like their character because they're just so either over the top or evil that it's that, that accomplishment in acting is just as, you know, impressive as, as someone who's the hero in the movie. Well, I guess what, what inspired that, we were talking about John Travolta and Swordfish, <clears throat> who's like, he's not, he's a terrorist, but he's supposed to be cool and it was right around that time of 9-11 so anyway the guy the guy yanked i think that's maybe what we were you know of course we talk about cyrus the virus from Con air so yeah we, we do talk about villains I, I in the research i was almost thinking you know, like does every movie have a villain because it's not there's movies have antagonists but like you know there's almost there's most movies that have a villain or like a yeah, like, most of them. Like Maybe not Forrest Gump. That's why I was like, oh, what are my favorite movies? I guess like, Forrest Gump isn't really No, no. Not every movie has to have a villain or even an antagonist. Like, rom-coms, you, you, there's no real villain in the rom-com. It's just, like, two people trying to work things out. So there's problems, but there's not, like, an actual True. evil person. But I'd say the majority of them do. I'd say, like, 70% of the movie has... Right. And, and Phil and I are allowing ourselves to include, like, antagonists. So when we make, when we say villains, we're not saying necessarily superhero villains or your typical, you know, it, you know, it monsters or, uh, you know, something like that. We, we're, we're including, you know, antagonist characters who in, you know, in their crazy, either psychopathic or whatever creepy actions, mm-hmm. um, are, you know, just kind of, you know, villains in nature. Yeah. Or by nature. Uh, so so we like lists. We're going to do a top five each. Um, I've actually, because Phil and I are brothers, you know, we know each other pretty well, I've actually guessed his list. So we'll <laughs> see. We'll see. I think I'm written down. We'll see if how close I am at the end. Yeah. Well, you don't, uh, technically, you for the listener, you don't know what my lists are. You just know me enough where you probably can guess what I have on my list. And I mean, we've, we've been talking, like we said, we've been talking about this for, you know, hours and hours and hours on past podcasts. So I've probably tipped my hand a little bit as to what's going to be here. So, all right. Yeah. So the format of this too, we're uh, in an effort to keep all of these quick. We're going to have a two minute timer for each one. Dog and I have both done our top five. So we're not going to try to not to spend more than two minutes on each. Again, that's always hard for us. Um, and then at the end, if we have a little extra time, um, we're going to, you know, just kind of go over some honorable mentions because I don't know about you, dog, but this was like wicked hard for me to just put into five. I kept researching like, oh man, how do I leave, you know, that actor, that actress off the list as far as like not being in my top 10, but, or I'm sorry, my top five, but, um, yeah. we'll, we'll just kind of make some quick hits at the end if we have time. But, 
Um, why don't we just, you, are, are we good to start the timer? Yeah, you, uh, I'll, you, why don't you go first? Okay, I'll do my number five. Oh wait, so that's another thing. So you have these ranked from five to one. I have them ranked from five to one. Yeah. Okay, I do not. Okay, well we'll just we'll just go with it. I, I couldn't like okay, I, I didn't struggle to to pick. I almost did categories, but um, I ended up just with my. I didn't overthink this. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Neither did I. No, we had about a day, less than a day, to research these. So I think if we did overthink them, our list would probably be a little bit deeper. Mine are definitely kind of more shallow than you know. It's just kind of ones that that first came to mind, and then a little bit of internet research just to kind of, you know, find out the actor and actress's name, and you know. All right. Yeah. So, all right. I'm I'm ready to go. So, why don't you go first, though? Okay. So, so all right. Yep. Two minutes is on. Um, so, my first one is the villain uh, from Terminator Two, the T1000. Nice. Yeah. 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 Great. Played played by Robert Patrick. Great and choice. and yeah, I mean, for the for the only reason being, or well, not the only reason, but one of the reasons being, he just seemed like one of the most indestructible characters in cinema cinematography. Well, not like he could just get hit with anything, and his steely demeanor doesn't change. Yeah, he has no emotions. He has like, no emotions. His his goal is to just exterminate the T eight eight hundred, which is Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sean Sean Connor. I'm sorry, John Connor and Sarah Connor. And that, that's it. it. The movie is just basically one big ch- chase scene. They're either running away or trying to kill this 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 uh, this junk junk or the T one T one thousand. Another yeah, reason why be upset with me, but I think this is my favorite Terminator. He thinks Terminator one's the best, but I think this is my favorite. I think because of this this villain, he is. I don't know. I guess it, this came out like a probably more you know it was more relevant when I was growing up because of when it came out. Um, but anyways, like this one, he just, yeah, he, he's, it's the steely demeanor. He's an unstoppable. Unstoppable. Yeah. Like, a quick story too. I have about a quick story that I have about him too, is we were down and, and this definitely brought him up in my ranks. This it, played by Robert Patrick. We were one time in DC, we were at a, we were at a cigar and whiskey bar and a bunch of my buddies were just getting ready before one of our golf tournaments. And all of a sudden, this is how I remember it, but it's not how all of a sudden, we turned to the door, and like it was almost in my memory, there was like steam coming behind them, and Rob, and who walks in but Robert Patrick? Every, yes. it, immediately, everyone knew it was T, it was the T one thousand, and oh all God. of us were like excited at the same time and a little bit scared. We're like, oh shit, are we gonna have to? <laughs> are we gonna have to like try to run from this guy? Because like that's your natural instinct anytime you see Robert Patrick. Was he, was he wearing glasses at all? He, yeah, so he's he's in a he's in a biker gang. So he came in wearing glasses and like kind of like no, bike, leathers for yeah leather biker clothes. He had like this vest on. I forget what the name of his biker gang was, but uh, he came in and it was it, he made quite an entrance. He's a tall guy in real life too. So yeah. So anyways. Just a, just a great character. He's my number five. You heard the, the timer. And so, Doc, why don't we give this your number five? Yeah, I, well, I uh, I guess I missed that one for you. I, I, I didn't guess that one for you, but it's a good one. Uh, so, actually, so I'll link it with uh, with it in that um, Arnold Schwarzenegger's in this one as well. He's not the villain. So, my choice is Poison Ivy, Uma Thurman, in Batman and Robin in 1997. Okay, top five. All right. 
So listen, listen, listen. This, these, these are ones that resonated with us. And when I was a kid, this is like one of the like edgier films I was first allowed to see. And like, what was it called? It was, ba- it was Batman and Robin. Was the movie right? Batman and Robin, yeah. nineteen ninety-seven. And uh, like, of course, like I again recognize the time period that I choose some of my movies because clearly I was impressionable between ninety-seven and two thousand and three because that's what some of my movie choices are. Anyways, but she was just uh, she was just extremely you know the whole role was sex. Uh, but I also like being like comic. I wasn't a comic book kid, but I like comic books. It was very like an over the top movie, and you know Jim Carrey is in it yeah. as the Riddler. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger is Mister Freeze. Yeah, um, it was very. It was it was a real life, but it was almost like cartoony, like a comic book would be because of all like the contraptions and powers that they had. Or they're not like the darker Batmans that are today. They were more like, okay, let's make this as much like the comic book as we can with gadget. You know, Batman had a lot of gadgets, like... Yeah, but she was... All right, but Uma Thurman, the Poison Ivy, was just, like, really creepy. Like, she could kiss you and, like, kill you or whatever with mm-hmm. those lips and, like, or the whatever... The yeah. Poison lips yeah. or something. And, like, I was... Well, she had Bane on her side as well. She had control of Bane. Mm-hmm. So, uh, who... Uh, uh, you know, he didn't speak at all or anything. But, anyway, she was just, from my childhood, like, one of those, like... When I, I, you know, I avoided most superhero stuff, uh, most superhero villains, but she, it's almost outside of that to me, uh, just because basically I was just a young kid looking at Uma Thurman being like, whoa, and, <laughs> and I was just like taken in by the whole theatrics, but all. of course it's a terrible movie. Yeah. Uh, that's a, that's like the Clooney Batman movie. Which yeah. That, it's when you look back at it, it was a big release in a lot of actors, but so I don't know why my car, my horn didn't go off, but that was the buzzer. We've reached two minutes on the Uma Thurman there. So um, I, I, since you're not doing the order, should I should I be writing these down? I'll, I guess I'll write them down. Um, okay, so my number four is uh, Hannibal Lecter. Nice. Okay. So That's from Silence story. of the Lambs, all the Hannibal, you know, the the Hannibal Red Dragon, Silence of the Lambs. He's just one of those guys who, like, the first time I watched this movie, like, I was thinking about him for, like, the next couple days. Like, this guy is creepy. Like, it opened my eyes to cannibalism. Like, I'd never even really thought about that. I thought that was just stuff that was, like, in Greek mythology. And then, like, okay, no, there's, like, such a thing as, like, a modern-day cannibal. He just seemed both smarter. Like, no matter what, he's the smartest. He's always going to be the smartest guy in the room. And if you let your guard down for a second... He's going to eat you. <laughs> so he's like, he's like subhuman. That's the thing. Or like trans. Like he, he like literally is a hunter. I actually watched silence of the lambs. The, like maybe two weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, it's an awesome movie. Yeah. Uh, and they uh, put, the, but, they put the bite mask on him too. That makes him almost look like Bane. Like he said before, like he's got, yeah. he's got like the mask on him, which kind of almost turns him into like a superhero villain or something like that. Because you know, he's, his bite is so so deadly that he'll, you know, if, if his teeth are exposed, he, you're going to get eaten. Like, I, yeah. but the, the whole mind trick thing that he plays with with Clarice and, and then Edward Norton in, in, um, in Red Dragon was just so creepy. It's just, you're just, you're just on your, the edge of your seat. You're just, you're, you're, the back of the, the, the hairs on the back of your neck are just always raised whenever he's on set. Again, he's like, like being the hunter that he is, he just smells her perfume and can deduce all these things about her when he yeah. first, first meets her. 
And like, that's, that's like the, I think the creepiest thing is like his brain is just like filling in the gaps of how to manipulate every single encounter he meets, whether it's, you know, human or, you know, human or whatever. But, uh, but no, that's he, also the scenes he leaves, like the, the cops that he leaves, like just torn up, he's wearing his face, like, it's just, you know, it's pretty, you know, it's pretty shocking, especially what, what. What year was the Silence of the Lambs? Uh, I don't have it in front of me, but it's got to be like '95, right in there. Yeah, but but Red Dragon, I think, was in the 2000s, and then he came back in like the early 2000s in Hannibal, a bunch of sequels, and he's just that same creepy. Anthony Hopkins plays plays the role. I don't think we mentioned that, um, and he's just so creepy in in every single every single you know sequel, prequel, whatever of, of the movie. He's trying to go with um, categories when I do this. Um... Uh, spoiler, uh, uh, my category for Poison Ivy was female villain. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this one, um, I started, I was thinking about tra- like, not child actors, but more like child movies. Um, with a shout out to our future brother-in-law, Ross. I know he loves Home Alone, so I was thinking about the Sticky Bandits um, <laughs> as villains. But I, that got me thinking about Macaulay Culkin, and there's a movie called The Good Son. Yeah, yeah, okay, I'm glad you went this way, yeah. Uh, and Macaulay Culkin plays, uh, so he's the psychopathic kid. Elijah Wood's also in the movie. Um, so what happens, Elijah Wood's mom dies, and he goes to live with his, uh, his in-law, or his in-laws, his cousins, and aunts and uncles. Anyways, uh, Macaulay Culkin's his cousin, and he's this creepy little kid who's, like, showing all these signs of, like, he, his younger brother died, and, like, somehow he has his rubber ducky that he died with. Like, anyways, so it comes out that he actually ended up killing Macaulay Coke and killed his younger brother, and he's threatening Elijah Wood throughout the movie. But it is the creepiest role. Like, Macaulay Coken plays it really well. Um, it, even if you go back and watch this movie, it's really short, actually. It's only 86 minutes, um, which is shockingly short for a Hollywood movie. But, yeah, no, I, uh, I, I'm i glad you went with it. I thought you might say you might going to go with the Sticky Bandits from Home Alone, but I'm glad you went, because this was creepy. I think this might have been, I mean, in his very, very short career, I think it was his his best role. It, like, Because really, Macaulay Culkin only had like five or six movies as a kid, and then he kind of just kind of fizzled out, or five or six ones that I really remember. And, pretty well in Home Alone, yeah. Yeah, Richie Rich. Uh, yeah. But but this was definitely a darker role for him, and I'm like, okay, maybe maybe this kid's got some chops. Maybe he's just not going to be a child actor. And then when it played out, he. So I mean, so I know that's the, the horn there, but spoiler alert: the movie it comes down. The mother of Macaulay Culkin figures out he's a psychopath, and he's going to murder her. Somehow Elijah Wood, the cousin, comes in, tackles him, and she has the option to save either. Macaulay Culkin or Elijah Wood, and she decides to let her own son fall to his death. Yeah. Uh, really, really suspenseful, good movie, but Macaulay Culkin was creepy. Definitely. I love the choice. And I, I didn't come up with that one throughout my research, but really good, really good choice. And really kind of different, because it's just, you're used to like this, you know, he's just like a young little sweet boy, and then he's playing this role that's just pure evil. So that's, that's another thing, you know, um, the, the role reversal was something that interests me, like seeing uh, actors, like say like a comic actor in an evil role or mm-hmm. something like that. That was something I, I kind of had in mind too. And again, these aren't necessarily my favorites, 
but that that resonated me when I was when I was a kid, and that was I've, I've watched it recently, and it holds up to its yeah. creepiness. So. Okay, so on to number three for me. Um, yeah. So I have this. So this is the only one on my list that wasn't necessarily played by an actor, um, and it's actually a an animal that that was the that was the uh, I guess antagonist villain or whatever, and it's Jaws. <laughs> so, and the reason yeah. that I chose interesting, this interesting choice. I'll allow it. Is is Jaws the villain in the movie Jaws? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess it's man versus nature. Yeah, and anyways, what what I'm going at based off of is just how much it freaked me out, and to this day freaks me out. This movie and his his this character Jaws in particular made an entire world that wasn't already aware of like how you know threatening a shark was into probably the, one of the most feared species on the planet, sharks. There is, there's a whole week dedicated to Shark Week on the Discovery Channel based off of this movie and based off of our... I don't even know if a shark was an innate fear or if everyone just started fearing sharks after this movie, but... It, it was. No, it's only after movie because after this movie, because like, if you look up the numbers, the shark attacks are really not that common. Yeah. As you know, as people might, as common as people might think. Um, but I mean, the, the the what goes along with it that made it so menacing is the music. Yes. And, yeah, I mean that made it villainous. They're one in the same. They're yeah, they're they're tied together. Yeah, I think as if the shark is having like complex thoughts, like about like how to attack and like that. This one ship did him wrong, so he's coming after these. Right, guys. it's in an entire ocean, and they're battling. Like the shark can always come back to the ship, so it does. It kind of had it. It does the the character of Jaws or whatever you want to call it. The villain Jaws is just a smarter shark. It makes you think that like. You know, a shark is anything but, you know, just an animal reaction, you know, going off reaction. It's plotting against, you know, the three guys in the ship. And, you know, the fact that in the, in the first scene it takes down a little kid and, a, you know, someone's swimming, like, you know, that's just pure evil. Like, why would you go after, you know, a little kid like that? So it gives the shark a personality like he's evil. He looks like a tasty little seal, that's why. Yeah. But, but no, that's a, I'm glad that that's way outside the box. I, I commend you for that. Yeah, it's, it was just, it was just, I was feared. Like, and I just believe that these, that now that a shark is just like this evil, like ocean dwelling creature. And it's because of the movie Jaws that I think that. So, all right. You heard the horn on to your third. My third. So I can't say I have my next three is creative, creative as yours. Um, so I got to go with, uh, so this category uh, Quentin Tarantino being one of my absolute favorite directors, and most of his movies are some of my favorites. I was between uh, Leo in uh, in uh, as Calvin Candy in Django, but I had to go with uh, Colonel Hans Landa, the yeah. Jew hunter, yeah. in Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's it's just a, a ridiculously it's just a ridiculously evil role. I mean it. Christoph Waltz, oh, sorry, is first off is the uh, is the actor who plays him, and this is kind of the first time I had seen him. Um, and he he does everything so menacingly with a smile, and he's like laughing. He's like laughing in the face of of just terminating, literally genocide. Like he, you know, he not only was he 
the most menacing and just evil, um, but he's kind of likable. Like, I don't, I hate to say that, but he is like, that. oh, the bingo, that was fun. Like, <laughs> like, it was just kind of like, he made you laugh here and there, and he was also just like, the presentation of it uh, was just so calm that the opening scene when he's up in the yeah. French countryside drinking, asking for milk, milk right. and, the, and just the pace of it is so... Yeah, in, in all of Tarantino's movies, I think he is the best villain, whether, he, I don't... Like Tarantino's got a lot of like evil guys and stuff, like you know Bill from Kill Bill. Like, but this guy, for whatever reason, just has the most charisma. I think that's what we're pulled because he's just got like you know you know what he's thinking the entire time. You know he's pure evil, but he's fooling everyone in the movie, and you're just like no, no, no. Especially in that scene at the beginning when he knows he knows that the uh, the Jewish family is underneath the the floorboards and. Mm-hmm you know eventually it's it's something's gonna go wrong but at the same time there's like that little bit of doubt that you're like okay are they gonna get away and i don't know well, it's especially in the uh, in the the cafe scene where he's sitting and he offers her a cream he's like checking her out for like the filming like she's the one who burns them burns down the, yep. the theater yeah uh, that like he's staring at her and like at that point you know he could like jump across the table and choke her to death but then he just leaves it. Yeah, like, or just play with it. It is. It's 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 like uh, yeah. this is the suspense or his his ability to hop into a murderous rage, not yeah. rage. Though. It's like just to kill at will with with a smile on. I think is just he's he's just one of the most memorable villains yeah. of all time. Definitely one that I have written down as an honorable mention, and I think Tarantino's best villain in any one of his movies. All right, you heard the horn, so we're moving on. What am I at, two? Yeah, number two. All right, so uh, this next one's from uh, No Country from Old Men. I think you already know where I'm going with this. Uh, yeah, 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 cool, Javier Bardem. Javier Bardem as Anton um, Sugar, 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 Sugar. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, so, I mean, just, just everything, everything about him, just... Uh, He's he's evil just to be evil. There's no rhyme or reason to why he wants to kill people. You know, he he's he's a villain without a cause, really. He's just going around just just well, killing it's, people. It's just like, bizarre. like the whole thing is Tommy Lee is he's got he's got these morals, he's got this code that he lives by. That which makes no like sense. But it's the code of chance, like when he's in the uh when he's in the, the convenience store, he's talking to the guy and he like flips a coin. The gas station. Yeah, I have that written down as just one of those scenes. Much like the one with uh, Hans from, from your last one. You're just sitting there like not knowing the fate of this poor innocent person. And just knowing that this psychopath, because we've already been introduced to him, could just either do one of two things. He could let it fly or he could take out his little cow piston put it to his head and just end his life for no, for no well, seeming reason. You know, what's crazy about that role too, well, the, the director to his credit, uh, he, he didn't show a lot of the killing. So like, you don't see what happens to that store clerk. And you also don't see how Josh Brolin dies, right. which is to me disappointing. Um, but like, see, it, it's that. I liked what they did with, with all the others with Josh Brolin. I wanted to see the shootout. I wanted to see the final, you know what had happened to him. Street with him when he, they're chasing each other is awesome. Is awesome. Like, He's got yeah. And also the fact that he Javier Bardem is moving so creepily through the 
the streets and just like uh, just like he, he could be anywhere even right. though like you think he should be able to see him. Oh yeah, hey, I mean he's like a 7 foot monster but he's like stealth and I like right, he, just much like the much like the T T1000 too. He almost seems immortal, you know, when he's having that shootout. You're like I know he's like I'm not sure if Josh Brolin's going to make it right now, but I know the Javier Bardem's not going down right now. If, and even if he takes a shot, he, which I think he does, he does take shots and then he heals himself. He does all the the medical stuff on himself without a, a grimace or anything. Right, it's more of an inconvenience than a pain to him. You know what I mean? Like it's just like, oh man, I got shots. He's almost he's almost like a, a career villain actor. Like he was in the Bond film. Yeah. Uh, Skyfall, and uh, like he, he kind of is now typecasted as that villain because he plays it so well. Yeah, I mean, I, f- I feel like I mean he kind of plays Jaws in that Bond movie. I think if he was alive back in the day when Jaws was, uh, you know, around, that would be his role. Another thing it's with the, with that, and I know the, the the timer just went off, but the haircut is his haircut in that movie in No Country for Old Men is just is just so creepy. Um, it's like the Pete Rose, right? He's got like, yeah, it's kind of like a country Pete Rose, and right. the, and, and it's also his the Tommy Lee's reaction to him. He's like, I've seen a lot of things, but like this is just like, oh yeah. man, this is just like random evil. It's it's crazy. He's very good in that as well. Yeah. All right, on to your number two or your second to last choice. So my number two is going to be Bill the Butcher cutting Daniel Day Lewis in Gangs of New York. Okay. All right. So he uh, again being Daniel Day is one of the best of all time. Obviously, he takes to roles, but I think that uh, that role was just like he was. He was almost like the well. First off, the fact that he is the butcher and he's just like slabbing meat, the like cutting meat the whole time. He's got all these cleavers. Yeah, always, trying. always blood on his. Uh, you're never sure what the blood's for. Is it from a cow? Is it from someone that he just murdered? Like, yeah, he's sharpening, always sharpening knives. Always throwing. He's also like he's. It's it, in this time in America is just so raw and it's still like it's almost like he's got control of like a barbaric horde. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he's got like the, the horde at his, on his beck and call. Like when he, when he calls out, he controls the room. And that was like, he's always sweating to his hairs matted down. Greasy. From that. Greasy. Greasy. But also I had written down here, the ax in the back of the, the, the Irish, like the, the sheriff or whatever who plays, he's in like Braveheart and all this, uh, He's in 28 Days Later. Uh, anyways, he he's like, all right, let's have this out. Let's go in and talk like men. And then and he turns around, and the butcher just throws an axe in his back and just comes and just stabs him to death. Like, it is just such a brutal role. That time in warfare also is really brutal in terms of, like, the type of guns, the muskets, as well as, like, the obviously stabbing. and uh, You know, it was just so brutal. Um, but he is, it not only is just so creepy... Um, he, he, I think he steals the show, even when a movie with Leo and you know, and so many good actors and it's such great history. I think what you take when you picture that Gangs of New York, you picture him in the top hat with the the uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle mustache, mm-hmm. like yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he just like again covered in blood, tossing knives and controlling his partner board and doing whatever it took in order to. Oh, the glass eye. He's also got a glass eye. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that, that, right. That's, yeah, exactly. He's always tapping it. 
Like that's with knife. Yeah. Like it's just like a terrifying character. He and Daniel Day, he he just he looked the part, man. Yeah. He, he, and, he, and he just executed it so well. And of course, his voice, his voice is just so commanding and powerful. And you know, his look, his dark look down his eyes. Right. right. Like it's just like, <laughs> oh man, it's, it's he's creepy. I think right. that uh, those two roles, him in um, There Will Be Blood too, was was also kind of like that. It's he plays. I think those are really the only two, really the only, his only two um, roles that he plays like the villain. I guess you could make an ar- argument for Phantom Thread that he's the villain in that too. But um, but those are like kind of like that over the top, old timey, you know, greasy villain that you're just. He's a, yeah, he's using meat cleavers to kill people, right. like. <laughs> Covered in blood, but mm-hmm. no, he, I mean, he's just, I think that he just embodies a villain. Okay. Like what, what a villain is. So, so I, all right. I, I, Coming I, down to number one here. And then also the fact that we just talked about Gangs of New York and basically didn't mention Leo is like hey, a I'm, testament to how good he, Daniel Day is. I'm proud of us. We usually have to mention Leo at least once for that <laughs> <a> podcast. <laughs> all right. Number, okay. number one is... <clears throat> number podcast isn't over yet. Actually, I take that back. You did mention Leo back when we were talking about uh, uh, Django. So true, true, true. Um, all right. Uh, no, my number one. Let me just start the clock here. Um, okay, so I, probably there's no, there's not going to be any shocker since I've mentioned this on, especially if you've been listening along to the podcast that um, from Happy Gilmore, Shooter McGavin. Played by Christopher McDonald, my number one. Just I, I, I considered that. I considered that actually as a villain. Number one. And to your, like, I'm zero for five. I'm zero for five. Really? Yes, it's for your villain. Really? I thought this one you get for sure. I thought that this one, no matter how much I researched, he had to be number one. Not only because I golf a lot, and like I don't think I've got ever gotten through a round of golf without saying something like, you know. I eat pieces of shit like you for breakfast or, or, you know, just some stupid golf line. I'm trying to, Doug, how am I supposed to chip with two people having sex in the wood? How am I supposed to chip when that's going on? Like, he's just so, he's just, I don't even know how he looks at himself with that, like, sweater tied around his neck. It looks himself in the mirror as a character and just goes, how am I not a villain? Like, not only that, like, Christopher McDonald himself has kind of, like, embodied the role in his in his everyday life. The guy's a dirtbag in real life. Like, he's constantly getting pulled over for DUIs. He's trying to get off by saying, don't you remember? I'm Shooter McGavin. Like, he's he's just always, like, creeping on girls. He's got one of the most iconic mugshots you've ever seen. I don't know if you've ever seen his uh, TMZ. Oh, go, go look at it. It's- you look in his eyes, like, they're all just, like, all swollen underneath. Like, you, you can see him being, like, a boozer. Yeah, he's just a, he, and he's just a classic country club douchebag that is just, you know, asking uh, Virginia Vedit for, uh, oh, Miss, can I get a Pepsi? Oh, Miss Diet, can I get Diet? Like, he's just such a dish, douchebag in every single... You can see right through him when he's talking about, oh, the water in Portland, that's what keeps me coming back to this town. Like, everything, everything about him, I'm, I'm butchering all these quotes, but everything about him just screams douchebag and... I, to your point with the Christoph the Wentz thing, like I kind of just like him. I like the character, but he is just such a dick in every aspect of the douchery that he is. He's the perfect nineties villain. Like, yeah, or, or just like you know, that's and that's your comic pick. So I, I, uh, 
I honestly, for your comic pick, I thought you were going to go with Regina George. Oh, yeah, no, that's a good one, too, but no. She's she's good. Man, there's so many Bravo mentions. The other, the only other comic one I was thinking was uh, Mugatu from Zoolander. Oh, I didn't even consider that. I did think about Will Ferrell. Like, again, I like the idea of, like, actors like Macaulay Coke could be the sweet kid being the evil... You know, yeah, I like that. I think I think of your picks at least so far. I know you still got your number one, but I, I like the Macaulay Culkin one the best, like because it is just someone outside of what they normally do being evil or like getting into a role. I guess Mugatu's not. Mugatu is just kind of like an extension of like a Will Ferrell character, but the the you know just the the rage, like the unbridled rage, and like bringing it back, much like he goes after, like, or much like he says in a bunch of his skits, like, I drive a Dodge Stratus, he's talking about the piano necktie. I created the, <laughs> I invented the piano necktie in that, in that movie. So he was another honorable mention. But anyways, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. What, what, you still got one more pick. Mugatu is awesome. So um, my number one, well, this, and this would be my number one villain, I think, of all time is uh, Tom Hardy as John Fitzgerald in The Revenant. Nice, nice. Um, so he, um, he uh, so The Revenant is basically, there's, there's, there's four actors really that you're paying attention to. And in Tom Hardy, it's, it's a rough and tumbled time in America. They're out getting, uh, they're getting pelts, you know, for this big, this big sale or whatever. They get attacked by Indians. But anyways... Tom Hardy ends up not only killing Leo's son in order to, for his own benefit to get the group moving faster, mm-hmm. but also like Leo after being attacked by a bear, he's like constantly trying to get Leo to blink in order so he'll kill him, mm-hmm. and then and then kind of buries him alive essentially. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and then and then the kid, the redheaded kid who he's bringing along with him the rest of the time, uh, he you know he's just basically. Got that kid's hands in his life too, and he, he by mul- mul- multiple times he just clearly is is just conniving and, and, and creating situations where he's just coming out on top at, at the de- at the detriment of yeah. everybody else. He's around. he's all about himself. He does he cares nothing. He's so selfish that killing someone in order to get just a half a leg up or a half of you know fifty bucks a hundred. He would do, he only cares about himself and like, it's just, it's just so obvious. It gets worse and worse and worse throughout the movie to the point where really the only thing at the end, he's just trying to close, close up the gap so he doesn't get caught too. Someone who's about themselves and willing to bury a lie, kill someone to bury a lie is just so evil. And the fact that it's back, a lot of your picks have been like back in the day. A lot of these, you know, the Wentz, the Daniel Day-Lewis, actually your last three have been like in the old times. So, there, so there's like a certain sense of like lawlessness too, where if he does this, he's going to get away with it and you don't want right. to see it. Oh, absolutely. No, I mean, it's driven in a sense. It's driven to, it's a drive to survive because he doesn't have much money either. He did. Yeah, this is the Tom Hardy character, John Fitzgerald. He, he first off his voice, right. Right. and just like, is like, Man, he, he's menacing. He's also his physical his physical uh, um, presence is also like really kind of intimidating. But it's basically it, it becomes a chase movie, and it's like the biggest spandau chase on foot and on horse. It's just up mountains through snow, like yeah. 
It's just the grittiest fight to the end ever. And but the I mean Leo, it's it's Leo's incredible, and and the, the story of him coming back that far from uh, from everything that he had been through, uh, and, and to finally get revenge back on Tom Hardy was satisfying. But in the mix, he's getting his hand ch- like chopped, right. and he's getting stabbed, he's getting like it's just so. Like I watched that in theaters on my birthday actually, and uh, and I remember just screaming like, "Oh!" She's like, "God, yeah, what? come on!" Like, yeah, those guys were so t- both of them were so tough. One was good, one was evil. It's just kind of that yeah, simple of a scene. He has been scalped by Indians, so like half of his head is like missing. Of course, all these guys have to have like some sort of like deformity, um, right? Deformity or like visual, like you know. Uh, Daniel Day's got the glass eye and the mustache and stuff. They all, you know, it's they're they're you know there there are some archetypes to villains for sure. All right, for sure, I, I love the pick. And as your number one, I definitely that one was an honorable mention for me too. I mean, I think that was also our third Leo reference after we said we weren't going to talk about or trying not to mention Leo. All right, so let's uh, Don. We're at like the 36, 37 minute mark. Let's get into our honorable mentions and then uh, wrap it up. Sure. Let me real quick. Let me tell you what I had for you. I thought you were gonna have Commodus from Gladiator, Walking Phoenix. Phoenix. Great one. I didn't. I actually didn't even think about that. There's there's so many good out there. All right. Yeah. Keep going. That's one I tell you for sure. I thought definitely Heath Ledger in uh, in the Dark Knight. So I thought that was a gimme. So I thought that that was a gimme for you, which is why I left it off there. Yeah. And I yeah. almost like I almost look back, especially with everything that that Heath now that Heath is dead. I almost see that as his greatest role. So I, when I look back at it, I'm like, that's not even like a villain. He is the villain in that movie. There's no doubt. But I see yeah, that role as something that's like, that I liked even more than Christian Bale's role in that he, movie. He way outshines Christian Bale, who's one of the best actors of our time. So I, so I almost like hold that that role in such revenance that I, for some odd reason, didn't, didn't see it as a villain. Though I yeah. thought you might be choosing it, so I kept it off my list too. But anyways. I also thought you'd have Drago from Rocky Four. Uh, that's good. Damn it. I wish I... So, in the same vein as the T-1000, they could have been interchangeable. That's a good one. Yeah. And then, uh, I also thought you had Agent Smith from The Matrix. That yeah, no. Happened. I thought about him, but no. Not not evil enough. No. And then, as I said, Regina George from Mean yeah. Girls. I think I thought... Because you mentioned Mean Girls a lot. You're, you're a fan. And not only Rachel McAdams, but... Uh, yeah, no. I wanted to get some sort of female character in here. Like, I honestly thought about doing... And I got this one... I also thought about doing Cruella DeVille in 101 Dalmatians because she's just that, that over the top. And I mean, but then I then I, mean, I see that on par with like every Disney villain, which I do want to mention here, like the Scars, the Jafar, Jafar Cruella DeVille, uh, Ursula, like all of these. I mean, I know these sound like kid movies. It's funny that, for us to be talking about them, but they are like just so solid or not solid. They're just so clear and, and like undeniably evil characters and they that Disney do a good job. If you look up the villain in the dictionary, you possibly would see Cruella DeVille's face. Right. So I wanted to put her, and then Glenn Close, play, one of my favorite actresses, plays her in like the, in the, um, you know, in real life 101 Dalmatians. But I mean, I, you, I'm, I'm even missing, I'm totally missing a lot of these Disney characters. But they're just so, yeah. e- like, they just do such a good job, like, personifying or, or characterizing evil throughout their all of their villains. And, and in Disney movies, there are there's clear villains in every single one of those. So, 
I, I also, yeah, I, I, Disney movies where I feel like were just too obvious for me to go. Uh, my, the three that I really considered were uh, Nightcrawler. Um, yeah, the, I considered that one too, Jake Gyllenhaal, yep. Jake Gyllenhaal, he's really creepy. I also considered, well, of course, uh, American Psycho is one of my favorite movies, so of course Patrick Bateman. Mm-hmm. Um, Christian Bale. That's I mean, he's incredible, and he is the the main character is the villain. That's what's yeah. Another one of those ones like the Joker that I'm like, okay, that's one of Bale's best. Like I hold that that role in such you know that I I I actually kind of like him as the character, even though he is he's just pure evil. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. To wrap it up, and and let me let me pose this question for you because I also I considered Fight Club the role of Tyler Durden. Okay. Ed Norton's Ed Norton is the narrator. He doesn't actually have a, a name in it. You never learn, but he, obviously he is Tyler Durden. But the complexity of that is not only is he is both the kind of the the, the the struggling one and then also the antagonist in the same character. Yeah. So I was going to ask you: Is that a villain? Is Tyler Durden like who is the you know what's the villain? Like I mean, like, yeah. I mean, I think that that's that's like the you know the the depth of that movie is that both both the guys are the because he's schizophrenic or whatever one it's like a dr jekyll and mr hyde type deal you know what i mean like it's yeah exactly well I, and that's why i also considered like the machinist with christian bale as well because mm-hmm. uh, that that those those movies are both in vain and that it's happening inside them so they're almost their own worst enemies is there a villain you know or yeah anyway, so. A few other, a few other. I mean, you mentioned a lot of my honorable mentions. Um, a couple others that I just wanted to put in there. Just the classics, like Freddy Krueger, Jason, Leatherface, Mike, Mike Myers, like this, the, the character from Scream, like all the slasher villains. I, they're all, you know, they're all about the same. I don't think I have a favorite. I think maybe Mike Myers is probably the most evil, mainly because he reminds me a lot of the T one thousand. But like all those guys, like I got at least honorable mention them. They wouldn't be in my top five. And then um, the Star the Star Wars characters. So the Empire and Darth Vader. Darth Vader. If we go through a villain podcast and not mention Darth Vader, like you're right, he just saved me. I think there'd be a few people who would have some words with me if we didn't mention Darth Vader or you know uh, some of those classics, but uh, uh, or Sauron from you know. I think Darth Vader, if he doesn't like in his final moments, real like somewhat turn to good. I think he's on there. All the other guys I chose just are just evil throughout. There is no saving them at all. That's that's why kind of I chose them as my villains because there, there's only one way to, to to write them is to kill them. Where Vader in like the last you know 15 seconds of his life you know sees the light. But anyways, so yeah, those are all my honorable mentions. Um, I'm sure there's a, I'm sure there's thousands that we've missed. This is why we do the social media stuff. We're gonna have a blast with this to see what we missed and to see you know which guy which you agree with or not um, uh, or yeah just the obvious picks that are that are still on the table. Yeah, and uh, anyways, this is the, again, I mentioned we're focused on safety right now with COVID and uh, also focused on the Black Lives Matter movement with all the fun we're having. Still, just want to always mention that at the end here. But uh, Doug, hope you uh, hope you stay safe there in Kittery and. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and kick my feet up here at the lake. Yeah, man, it's 90 degrees. Go get down in that lake. I'm jealous. All right, I'll talk to you. All right, homie. Peace. I did everything I thought was right. Got my stapler, got my shirt and tie. Set me up to zone.